Welcome to episode number 20 of the At U2 podcast, talking all things U2, new album news, tour dates, community discussions from the staff of At U2. For this episode, we have uh, some folks who are a little jet lagged, a little bit giddy, might fall asleep, but uh, we, <laughs> we'll go in order of... And sound, like, and sound like we have nasty cold. Sound like Dublin. Uh, Dublin voice. Dublin voice, yes. We have Dublin voice. So you're hearing the lovely voices of uh, Mr. Matt McGee. Hello, Matt. Chris, how are you? I've, I'm well rested. I mean, I have kids, so I'm not super well rested, but <laughs> I don't have Dublin voice. Uh, Sherry. What time is it in the world? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> and Jill. Hi. <laughs> Jill's Hi. fading. <laughs> I'm not fading. I'm just wrapped in my blanket on my couch doing a podcast on a Wednesday night. There we go. Which brings me, not that you have to necessarily selfie that, but uh, a few episodes ago, I, I sent it out, sent out the request for folks who are listening to the YouTube po- at YouTube podcast and post a picture somewhere on Instagram or Twitter. I forgot to check Instagram actually, but with the hashtag at YouTube podcast, I got another one. I, th- I don't think I mentioned this last episode. It was a bit of a weird episode last one too. But uh, Allegra in Texas, maybe I did mention that. Anyways, thanks for sending in your picture of listening to the podcast somewhere in Texas. And uh, so if you are listening and somehow can take a picture of yourself with the artwork in the background or something like that, we'd love to see it um, just for fun. Because stats and stuff are fun, but it's actually cool to see the podcast in the world. And also thanks to Fabiano, I think it was. Who uh, yeah. tried to request "Sleep Like a Baby" for Matt? On <laughs> that was <Cat>. awesome. <laughs> Seriously, one of the highlights of the whole. Trip. That was amazing. <laughs> really, I've was. got a great story about that. So, so when it appeared on the screen, my my darling husband, we were back by the concession stands, and so he decided to try to get a few pictures, and he noticed it. And he came rushing back to me. He goes, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Sleep like a baby tonight for Matt's up on the screen. So I bolted into, into GA just to try to catch it. I'm going, oh, my goodness. And it must have repeated about seven times. It was on there a lot. <laughs> At least seven. That's a, yeah. a conservative estimate. <laughs> we have actually uh, uh, some listener uh, sent in some audio. Uh, where is it here? I just got to find this. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, listener Tim Newfeld uh, sent this in. Um. <laughs> so just at the end there, you can hear, hear it faintly. I'll try and boost it in the audio recording later if it wasn't that loud, but uh, just hear a he faint. Go ahead, he Sherry. Didn't, he didn't send you... The audio from um, Steve's Periscope from Dublin 2 right at the start of Streets, did he? No, I didn't get that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I um, heard from quite a few people that they recognized me uh, uh, screaming out, Bring it! Bring it! Bring it! <laughs> <laughs> like they heard you, they recognized your voice from the podcast probably. <laughs> That'll be a new, another audio clip we'll save for the archives. <laughs> Yes, uh, if you were lucky enough to catch any of the at YouTube uh, Periscope streams during the show, you might have heard some <laughs> comment, extra commentary, some extra singing from folks. I think there is a little bit of uh, picking up because I'm sure it's uh, you know it's, we all know it's unavoidable to sing along 
regardless of how many people might be listening on Periscope. So, yeah. Matt, I feel like you're going to bring out that hell yeah when you go to the Adele concert. <laughs> yeah, I will totally do that. Absolutely, that's, right? Yeah, Same. that's a fantastic Me. idea. Me she too. had but we but I keep waiting. What Jill, when is she going to announce? I'm going to find out. I will let you know. Like I'm right. on it. You get on top of that. Are we dipping into a, an Adele podcast as well? We're gonna. We, would you host it? Jill and I are gonna do, gonna do an Adele yeah. podcast, and you be the host. Okay. Sounds you good. you could title it, uh, um, um, set fire or set unforgettable fire to the ring. <laughs> yes. There we go. You could merge the two. <laughs> you know what? You know what else I don't like. All right, moving on. <laughs> We're gonna uh, quickly go into the inbox. We've got a few questions and commentaries from folks uh first up we uh got a tweet from sherry who happens to be on this podcast so this is a a good timing i guess how that worked out uh we have it on good authority that rock stars actually smell good so sherry do you care to elaborate a little bit on well yes we were having a fine conversation with um many local dubliners uh who happened to have had very close uh proximity to certain rock stars wait sherry Um, wait sherry yeah, How ahead. do rock stars smell like? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and the um, universal answer was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I said, y- y- you know, we think it's sandalwood. It could be cedarwood. Could be musk. What is it? And uh, and the individual said, just good. They smell good, and that was it. So um, I, 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 I will take that as an official answer to what do rock stars smell like. All right. Well, I guess we're good then. What I tend to favor is sandalwood. Yes. Yes, we know, Adam. There's got to be some way to He's stop that guy. He's always interrupting. Come on, Adam. Jeez. It's the uh, at YouTube podcast, not the YouTube podcast. <laughs> Zip it, bub. Uh, Steve Doza. Steve underscore Doza. No, sorry, not Steve. Steza underscore Doza. Will the experience tour have the same staging, they ask? I'm guessing, assuming there's an experience tour at some point, what do we think that they'll carry over the same staging? Very little. Yeah. That's my, that's, I, I, think, the, I think it's going to be totally different. That's, do you think I it just, would be an uppercase E as the main stage? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. There's only three, yeah, each, each, each person gets a, uh, what would that be like a little leg out into the audience, whatever it's called. I'm sure there's some font nerd who's listening and whatever those are called, the ligatures or something when the E goes out. And would it be what a serif we? or a sans serif? <laughs> exactly. What are we talking about? <laughs> we'll just keep digging. <laughs> we'll find our way back. Um, yeah, I think it'll, it'll, they'll, they'll do something different for sure. I think, um, as great as this has been, they definitely don't like to sort of rest on the laurels and keep doing what's been done. So, yeah. yeah, I just I think I think Paris is kind of like a hard stop for uh, for the I and E tour, and I think that they know that when they tour next time, that it's going to need to be something that works outdoors and possibly probably indoors. So I just think that I think what we watch on HBO uh, this weekend or whenever we get to see it, Monday. I think. I yeah I just I think that well some people get to see it you know later this month like it's on RTE two on Christmas Day et cetera et cetera so anyway I just think we have to look at this as like the end of this is the end of something for you too <laughs> so 
Uh, so, so yeah, I just, it's just a, just a gut feeling I have. I just, I just, I think that it, next year's tour, whenever it be, is, um, you know, with a new album, I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be quite different. Yeah. As long as they don't go away for five years to dream it all up again. <laughs> no, they let, can't. Let's no. hope not. Right. <laughs> and you two GW and Chiron mentions, not sure. Cause when the 360 went on for as long with so many different legs, the setup stayed the same, which is a good point. But I think what Matt said, like a new album sort of, I think is a, maybe an indication like even with zoo tv and zooropa and stuff it it changed a bit right from each leg it still was i guess fairly similar structure so who knows both yeah i just i don't know i just think that, that what's happening in paris and the redoing of the show the rescheduling i just think it makes sense to close the book on uh, on what they've done with this year so that's that's like i said it's just my feeling yeah. And, you know, they always want to, like, top themselves anyway. So they're going to be like, let's do a big E, like a big E stage or something, you know, like just changing it up a little. So yeah, I think it'll definitely be a little <laughs> different, especially with, like, a new album coming out. I mean, like, like exactly like we said, like, as long as they come back, you know, <laughs> just, as long yeah. as they come back, because, <laughs> you know, I got to have my iris, you know what I mean? I got to have my ugly cry moment. <laughs> But that's going to you and me pose, both sister. Yeah. <laughs> but that's going to pose a very interesting dilemma for them because this this section of of the tour has been so narrative based, it's been so story based and the um and the way that the critics have have embraced it and the fans have embraced it. Once you get into experience and these are going to be different songs um from what we've gathered, you know, it's 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 going to be a more rocking album. Um, uh, might be more celebratory, might not be, but it's going to have a completely different feel than um, Songs of Innocence. So, are they going to continue with 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 the narrative design of of the experience leg, or is it going to turn into um, what you know Edge had? said many, many moons ago that the experience leg would be a celebratory, although it might have been Adam who had, who had said that, um, that it would be more of a celebratory thing. So um, I think that we're going to see a, a, a very different design to experience um, um, outside of just what the staging is going to be. I think it's going to be a completely different feel. There you go. We'll see what happens, right? And uh, and that's actually a late breaking question in from uh, mysterious at mysterious days. Uh, similar question of do you think stage David. design will uh, will stay <laughs> stay the same for the next leg? And uh, we'll just on the fly here throw in her, her another question. I prefer shows without special guests, better spirit and flow. Your thoughts? Which it's always like sort of a back and forth. I know I've heard we we talked a bit about this with Mark on the what it was at episode eighteen of the show about you know fans getting pulled up and some people getting mad that there's like. I didn't pay money to hear some cover band or someone else play Desire. I wanted to hear the Edge play, play Desire, so I should get ten dollars back off my ticket or, or whatever. Um, what do you guys think? In especially in like at a live show when you're there, it's one thing to be listening or reading a report about it afterwards and hearing about Noel Gallagher getting on stage with them or something. But when you're there, does it take away from the concert or is it just kind of add and it's an extra? Oops, sorry. <laughs> Extra little thing. Cheers. A little extra ding. <laughs> That's UTG. I apparently have to turn off notifications in the chat room. <laughs> Anyways, I'll go do that. Somebody else talk about whether. <laughs> That's I think a- it depends on the 
guest. Um, I mean, because I, I did all the New York ones in the summer, and it wasn't until New York, um, the third New York one, where they brought a guest on stage, and I was Jimmy Fallon in The Roots. And I was like, oh, that's, like, awesome. Because you know, Jimmy Fallon's, like, a huge U2 fan, so it was good to kind of see him, like, indulge in his, like, fanboy moment. And then, you know, and then they brought – a few nights later, like Lady Gaga got to come on stage and like, I love Lady Gaga. So getting to see her was awesome. And then Bruce Springsteen at, you know, the final New York show. So I think, I think it really depends on the guest. I think it depends on the song they're going to perform, but I personally, like I pay to see you too. So I would really like to see them play their songs. But again, like I'm not going to shut down like a special guest, but I think for me personally, I think it really sort of like, depends on who that guest guest is like I don't like I know who Noel Gallagher is but like if I was there at that show he was at I would have been like well I was like cool like Noel Gallagher but like if you guys had seen me when Lady Gaga was there you would have been like girls out of her damn mind because I was going completely (laughs) nuts when I saw her come up on stage so for me personally like I pay to see you too and only you too but if there's a special guest I think for me it depends on who it is and what song it's gonna be yeah, which is fair, I think, too. And even if it's like like Lady Gaga was kind of uh, maybe in the Lady Gaga podcast fan world, it was known that she was going to be coming on or something like that. But maybe it was more like a surprise, too, which is kind of neat. And and th- those kind of moments are kind of fun to have. So especially when it starts as like a rumor and it's like like they had predicted Bruce Springsteen like the entire time. And it wasn't until the final show when he like actually showed up. So it was like almost waiting eight shows and he finally like came on stage. But the rumor like proved to be true so i'm sure there have been rumors where like oh so-and-so is going to join with them and it never sort of like materialized yeah yeah exactly see see, whereas i don't mind because even though i'm going to a u2 show i'm going to see what what the band wants to um provide to its audience so you know I, i think back to a 360 show um that i was able to listen online to where they were in um, Africa and they brought up on stage Hugh, um, um, oh, what's his name, um, Masakela to, to provide additional um, uh, backing for, I think it was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So, you know, when they're traveling from country to country or city to city, I think that it's great that they're tapping into some of the local talent that happens to be in the area who may be very um, important to that particular region or that city um, um, where they're at. You know, take um, Dublin Fourth when they brought up um, Penny uh, Bliss. Yeah, I thought that that was brilliant, and that was I a loved great it. way. I that was great. Yeah, and that was a great way to celebrate what Dublin ha- and, and what the whole of Ireland had embraced uh, uh, a few a few months earlier. You know, so I think that whenever they want to bring somebody up there, um, you know, in the same way, who are we to tell them what songs to play? Who are we to tell them, no, I don't want to see Paul Simon up on stage with you. It's going to be a really bad moment. You know, Mm -hmm. it's also good with like YouTube because it's like I feel like they do think about it. You know, they think like, all right, well, we're going to get Patti Smith and she's going to say people have the power. It's like really great how YouTube does it. It's not like. Like when we've seen with Taylor Swift and she's just bringing her friends on stage or bringing somebody up on stage to sing a song with her because it's the most popular song on radio at the moment where it was sort of just for the press where you too, I think it's about the moment and like showing this to their fans and having them sort of like embrace and like appreciate that. 
Yeah, I agree, Joe. That's that's a good point too, because it's it does feel like it's a little, like many things you too. A lot more thought is put into it than just a random person to pull up on stage because it'd be like a fun uh, Instagram moment or something to get. I'm so happy over. she like never got Bono Taylor Swift. Like I'm thrilled that it never happened. <laughs> but <laughs> Bono had Miley last night. That yeah, just, oh. Oh, yeah. It was she wearing some kind of like I couldn't tell. Was it like a glitter pantsuit? Like I couldn't. She was that out. from. From Let's Mexico. just be glad she was wearing clothes. Yes, yes, that was what I was about to say. She was fully clothed. <laughs> I, the, the only thing I was going to add to the to the discussion about guests on stage is that the thing that I like about it is that Bono seems it seems to give him a lot more energy. Um, I mean, he seems to really get into it when there's um, somebody else on the stage, whether to be to sing or play guitar or play piano or whatever it is, and so. And so, so, so I, th- that's the thing that I kind of like is that it always seems to just amp him up a little more and, and, and just create a little sense of something new and different. And so I guess, you know, like if you have to play, you know, if you're playing, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for 60 times over the course of two or three months. And, you know, one time you get to have Bruce Springsteen or Noel Gallagher sing it, you know, and that makes it, you know, more interesting for him, then that's cool. I like that. So, yeah. And I was also thinking about Dublin Four when Melda May sang desire that was giving bono a little bit of a break with his voice because he yeah. was you know suffering from from a slight cold so so sometimes the placement of the additional singer is also useful to help him out too yes and uh, okay so let's move it on before we, we'll get into some of the dublin stuff yet uh, before everybody falls asleep uh, not the listeners i hope but uh, do we still have time left in this podcast that turned into that turned into quite a discussion didn't it <laughs> hey, we've yeah. been known to rabbit trail down a few things in our time uh at sharoff asked in sherry's recent otr it was mentioned that european concerts are very different experiences from concerts in north america how so three of you were in europe and have been in north america i believe well, they still take your bottle caps for your beverages. So. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's the, what he, they were looking for is technical details. <laughs> <laughs> There's different accents in Europe, I've heard. That's true. Yeah, there are different accents in Check in off Europe. some of the basics. Uh, any others, maybe? Different time zones are different. Different time zones. <laughs> no, okay. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, any other any commentary on just that atmosphere and and sort of how it the vibe of the the thing? <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head on that. You know, from the get go. Um, f- now it could have been just because you were in Dublin, uh, but from what I've been told about you know things actually uh, about shows on the European continent, it's it it carries over that when you enter into the arena. There is already an anticipation of 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 excitement to see the act that you're about to see. In North America, for some of the shows that I went to, it was as if you were dragging somebody who just you know didn't want to be at the show, or they were given tickets, or you know it's a bucket list item. I know a few songs or whatever. People know every single song in the audience in Europe. And for me, the singing was louder. The atmosphere was better. There was better electricity in the arena. And as I put in the OTR column, you know, being in 
Madison Square Garden and having 10,000 people singing along and getting excited and enthusiasm. That's one thing, but that's only like half the arena. When you have 10,000 people either in Stockholm or, or at, at the three arena um, or at some of these um, uh, venues around Europe, that's almost the entire venue. Um, and it just makes a completely different uh, electricity in in that room. And uh, um, I I would love to now see a show on the continent. Now that I've got the bucket list off for Dublin, uh, just just from what I heard on the Mixlers and from what I saw on Periscope, it 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 was just unreal and in talking with people in the GA line they also uh consider those shows much better interesting yeah there's definitely a, a bit of a an added uh energy just cuz you're in Dublin I'm sure um but but still yeah it, it definitely feels like in general the arts are this is a very broad generalization <laughs> but the arts in general are, are more appreciated in Europe than they are in North America and so it feels like even something like uh, popular rock band or whatever coming through they're not seen as like that old u2 band or whatever as much as they are sort of in north america that um we may take for granted or whatever over here i don't know what the exact reason is but no i i was once told by a very good family friend um somebody who uh my dad went to high school with that once you're established in europe you will always have have that established um uh reverence or 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 respect if you're in the states you have to keep fighting for that relevance uh, relevance time and time again whereas in europe once once you're known you will always be known mm-hmm. you will always have a following yeah yeah it's a, actually a good discussion to have i think if put someone put that on our list of future topics because uh just when we run out of things you two specific to talk about, we can go into that. Um, and we will, uh, we'll, we'll segue a bit into uh, talking Dublin actually now, because um, someone, uh, it wasn't me. I have the tweet listed as me, but I forgot to mention who it was, but not a question, but would love to see observations, reflections, insights from Sherry and I'm sure others on seeing you two sites in Dublin. Um, but uh, I think I thought this, tell me if you guys, if this would make a interesting challenge for the a future episode, not necessarily the next one, but I was listening to, I was washing dishes, trying to keep the kids occupied and not destroying stuff. And I had Numb on and I was thinking, I wonder how far people can get reciting the lyrics to Numb before they, you know, forget or screw up or whatever without cheating, right? Obviously, Matt, looking at you here. Another <laughs> <laughs> great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why looking at me? I'm looking towards you somewhere in the world. I don't know where are you. <laughs> But, well, you cheated on, there was a, a thing we did, a, a, a game show element we did in this segment at some points in the past. And now that you I have a on. reputation, right? It, takes, it just takes months. That's how it works, huh? <laughs> wow. Anyways, well, we'll see. I don't, what do you guys think of that as a, as a challenge to put to future guests? I guess, no? Not when, I know sorry. I couldn't do it, but I would love to listen and observe. Yeah. I, I, could, get, I could get maybe one line. It's It's... It's don't listen, don't talk, don't something, something. That's all I know. <laughs> My favorite line is have another grape. 
And I, I'm terrible. I'm, I've, as we've established many times on this podcast, I'm terrible with their lyrics. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see. We'll see. If, if anybody out there, I, I, we have no way, it's obviously on the honor system, we have no way of like knowing you can do it or not. But if you, if you have audio of yourself. <laughs> what, you sh- what you could do is, what, like, is not announce the song in advance, right? Right. That way, that way you, you eliminate cheating. Yeah. So you just like randomly pick a song. Okay, so for to this week, you know, we're gonna do "Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of." And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, whatever. I do so. terrible. I was thinking with Numb, at least I could, I could like probably put together a, an okay backing track, so you could, because I do terrible. I, if I hear the music in the background, I can usually go along with stuff. But if it's just like reciting the lyric off the top of my head, I don't know how good I would do. But how about Fast Cars? Let's hear it. Go, Sherry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The first line is oh no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my dinger, my my fail buzzer. <laughs> okay, that's a good suggested title right there. <laughs> All right, moving on before I stick my foot even further down my mouth. Oh. Uh <laughs> let's talk on the round table about Dublin of course, big uh, as anybody in the YouTube world was well aware, I'm sure they had their concerts in Dublin recently and uh, a bunch of the at YouTube staff, including three of the four people on this podcast <laughs> were at the show or at least one of them. And uh, I don't know who wants to start exactly. I know there's something in the notes from Jill about an interesting yeah, we story. To, we, we, yeah. we, can, can we start at the end, if that's okay? Because And work backwards, sure. Yeah, we'll work backwards because I don't want us to run out of time on the podcast and not hear the story because Jill sent out a tweet while she was flying home on Sunday, I think it was. Yeah, Sunday. With a photo, a selfie that she took with Dallas Shoe at the Dublin airport and said something about just met Dallas and had a great chat with him. And we even talked about the at U2 20th anniversary party, which of course Dallas was very involved in. And I tweeted back and I said, Jill, you have to tell this whole story <laughs> to the whole staff. And it's now been 72 hours and she has yet to tell this story. You guys, I'm tired. <laughs> I had a day off. So we need to hear this story. Yes, I will, I will. So am I telling the story now? You are telling yes. the story. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. So, um, See the world in green and blue, Dallas Shoe right in front of you. That's what happened at the Dublin airport. It was Dallas Shoe at the airport, not Michael Fassbender, who I was wanting to meet the whole time <laughs> I was in Ireland because he's Irish. Anybody who knows me on Twitter knows I'm obsessed with Michael Fassbender. So no. um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I was at the airport and I was ready to fly from Dublin to um, London because I had a layover there before I flew back into New York and I was waiting at the terminal and we were sort of getting ready to board and it was really crowded in the, um, near my gate area. And I saw a guy standing there. He had sort of like salt and pepper hair and like a goatee and he was wearing, um, an IE tour, like track jacket, not the one that Sherry bought that was like at the souvenirs, but like a nice one It had like the full logo on it. And it was really great. And I was like, Oh, why didn't they sell at the souvenir stand? So I was like looking at this guy's hoodie and then sitting next to him is Dallas. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do right now. So I'm sort of standing there. And um, Naomi, um, as Australian fan who I know through Twitter, had actually started talking to them. So she was talking to them for about, like, 10 minutes. And I'm, like, standing there, like, trying to not be, like, creepy McCreeper, like, in their conversation, but like, I couldn't hear what they were talking about, but, um, I'm just sort of standing there and I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm like, what if we board and I don't get to talk to him. And like, 
what do I do? What do I do? And I'm sort of like freaking out. And then the little notification on like the screen for at the gate said the flight to London was delayed by a half hour. So I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I'll probably be able to get time. So um, Naomi takes her photo with Dallas and then um, he sees me and he's like, oh, he's like, hi. And I'm like, I'm wearing the um, the green um, Dublin shirt that was sold at the shows that had um, uh, Peter Rowan on the front. So I'm like, hi. And you know how like Chris, like Chris on our staff, his like first go-to is to say, oh my, oh, my God. God. So like my go-to for anything is to just burst into tears, hysterically <laughs> crying. So I, I, I started to cry, but like I reined it in really fast because I just didn't want to be that person. So I was just like, hi, I was like, um, my name is Jill. And, um, I just wanted to tell you how much these shows and this entire tour has meant to me on such a personal level. And he was so nice about it. He was just like, that means so much. He said he loves hearing from the fans about how they're loving the shows and what they like seeing, um, when they're going to all these different cities, seeing the band and, um, so I said, um, I said, I said I was coming, I said, I came to Dublin, um, all the way from New York. And I said, I'm flying home to New York today. And he's like, oh, he's like, that's where we're heading to New York. And I said, oh, I was like, well, I went to, I went to all the shows at, um, the garden this summer at, um, at MSG. And I said, but I have to tell you, I was like, I'm a staff writer for at u2.com. And I said, probably my favorite New York gig of the summer was when you guys came to our party. And he starts to smile and he starts to laugh. And he said, you know, he's like, I got to tell you, he's like, that was the craziest night. He said, a lot of that was Edge's idea. He said they were in the car um, outside the um, the venue, um, outside the venue. And he said, they're in the car. And Edge says, okay, Dallas, you go inside and you get on stage and like you pretend like you're like the main act and you're going to play with the band and everything. And I'm going to go and I'm going to tell the owner of the club that you're going to play a certain noise or a certain note. And then that's what I'm going to get on stage with Adam. And like, we're all just going to do this. And he's just laughing. And I'm just, he's like, he's like, I didn't know what was going to happen. He said, like, I get on stage and everybody's screaming my name. And he said, I'm not famous. He's like, why is everybody screaming my name? He's like, I'm not, you know, like I'm not some, I'm not edge. He's like, I'm just me. So he said he couldn't believe like the reaction from the crowd was like, not only when he got on stage, but when just Edge and Adam got on stage and he said he just couldn't believe it. And he said, Unforgettable Fire. He's like, they're a group of great guys. And he said he he loved that like they, like Edge and Adam were able to sort of like make us happy, make the crowd happy. And he said it was such a great night. And he said he was happy that like they all could have, you know, could be a part of it for us. And I was just like, oh my God, it was like so great. But I just sort of thought about like, all of them like in the car and like Edge just like giving off these ideas and Adam just like leaning back, styling his hair. Like, yeah, like we're just going to do that, you know? But I just, I just thought it was like, the greatest thing. I couldn't believe it. So um, I thanked him and I said, well, it was like, behalf, I was like on behalf of like me and like the rest of the staff. I was just like, thank you like so much. I said, you have no idea. I was like a bunch of us were all upstairs in that venue. We were all either just like crying or just screaming up and down, like jumping for joy. We could not believe this was actually going on like at our party. And like, he was so humble about it and he was so sweet. And so he asked me my name and I said, well, like, my name is Jill. And as I said that, he slid his hand like into my like, giving me a handshake. And that's when I felt he gave me the um, guitar pick in my hand. And I said, um, I was like, oh, I was like, well, I was like, I hope um, 
we, we get to see you guys, you know, soon again. And he either, and like in North America, and he either said maybe, or most likely he said one of the two, <laughs> I couldn't figure out, like, I, I can't remember at this point. So North America, <laughs> I think, you know, will obviously like happen next year again, hopefully. And then he introduced me to his friend whose name I believe is Niall. Cause I looked at the tour program and there is a Niall who is listed on like the staff in the tour program. So it's probably, that's probably like who it was. But, um, so I met him and he took my photo with, um, Dallas and Dallas is so nice. He goes, Julie goes, let's take this photo. And I was like, okay, sure. It's great. <laughs> you know? And, um, so Naomi was still standing there and, um, we were, she was talking about, um, she was talking about how she had listened to, or she had saw the Periscope, I believe of the IGT party. And then I, I talked about how much I love the Dublin shows. And I said, I was like, oh, my first day when I got to Dublin, I got my U2 tattoo. So I showed them my tattoo. And Naomi was like, oh, have you guys heard of the U2 tattoo project? And Dallas was like, no, he didn't know what it was. So she was talking about Beth and Chris and the project and everything. And he looks at um, Nyle and he goes, man, he's like, we really got to like get in the loop with all this stuff. Cause it's like, they, have, they don't have like a social media or anything. So she was telling them, Oh, she's like, they're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So I was showing them, I showed them the city of lightning lights tattoo. I got, then I showed them my walk on tattoo that I have on my forearm and Niall really liked it in Dallas. He's like, Oh, he's like, I love that. He's so great. And he said, when we were in Vancouver at the start of the tour, he's like, I really pushed to have walk on put on the set list. He's like, I really love, Edge's guitar work on it, and he said in particular during 360. So I was like, oh, I thought it was, that would have been like so great because you know I was like I would have loved Walk On to have been sort of in the show, and I'd wonder like what other songs like they had thought about doing, but you know ended up not putting in the show. Um, so we talked about like the tattoo project for a minute, and then I had said um, um, I thanked him again for like the photo and everything, and we had they had to kind of start boarding cause they were in, you know, they were in like first class. And then, um, before like they had, um, before they had walked away, um, Dallas had saw my shirt with Peter Rowan on and he pointed and he said, Oh, he's like, Hey, I know that guy, but he, I, he doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, and I was like, Oh, these are the shirts that they sold at the shows. And Naomi was like, Oh, she's like, yeah, I got a red one. And Dallas, was, and I showed him the back of it. Cause it said like Dublin had the dates on. He goes, man, he's like, we don't ever get to see any of this stuff. He's like, the, <laughs> and Naomi was like, yeah, he's like, she's like, these are really cool souvenirs for a lot of these shows to have like specific sort of like shirts or items like that. And he goes, well, the only things like I get to keep after the shows are edges hats. Hmm. So, <laughs> what an odd thing to. <laughs> I know, yeah. Right. So, does Dallas have like I, a so, closet full of edges? <laughs> that's how I know, right? Like a bunch of like beanies, like yeah. on a ray, like in a closet or something. So, he, he could probably clothe the whole of Norway for crying out loud. <laughs> so, we. Um, we said goodbye and we said, Oh, have a safe flight. And then, so they went to go board and like me and Naomi, we were talking and that's when like, I started to cry and I was like, you're so nice. I can't believe this happened. Like all this (laughs) stuff. So, um, she, and I said, Oh, I was like, I had said to her, I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't want to like impose on your conversation with him or anything. And she was like, no, it's like, don't worry about it. She's like, I talked to him for like 10 minutes. She's like, don't worry about it. So she, she had that she had, been a little bit nervous to approach them because she said when as she was about to like say hi, she said they were talking about like office politics type of stuff. So 
I like I would have been that would have been like weird for me to sort of like jump into a conversation like when if they if they were talking about stuff like that. But so nice to her, so nice to me. And then we walked onto the plane and we saw them. We saw them like um we saw them like in their seats or whatever. So we were like, oh, like get back safe, have a nice flight. And um, Dallas said, oh, he he said to me he he said, oh, um, he was like, have a safe flight, Joy. He called me Joy, but I don't care because he was so nice. He can call me whatever <laughs> name you want. It's totally cool, whatever. But um, they ended up not being on my flight um back to um back to New York. But, um, oh, but before, before he got on the flight, this is when we were still at the gate. He, he had said he was going to New York and I said, Oh, me too. And, um, I said that if he was ever like in the area, I was like, Oh, I told him to come visit the bakery. I work at. So I told him the name and I told him, um, like where it is. And he said, Oh, he's like, so if I go, I can just get a cake. Right. And I said, well, no, I was like, I make cookies when I'm there. And he goes, well, you know, here they call cookies biscuits. So I got like this baked goods lesson from Dallas, like in the Dublin <laughs> airport. So that was hysterical. <laughs> but, but I gave him like the name of it and everything. And so I was like hoping like while he was like, in the city, like he could just like casually like stop in the bakery or whatever. And I would have just give him like a ton of cookies, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but that was it. So, so nice. And I knew like when I saw him, I definitely wanted to just like thank him just for how just awesome, like the tour has been. I wanted to mention the party and I wanted to sort of ask like if he knew like when they were going to be coming back. So I got, I think all the information I needed. And again, like the sweetest person, like you would ever like, want to meet like ever so nice that's awesome that's the i mean that's the cool thing they always the, the you know whether it's dallas or whomever they always they're they always seem to have you know time to chat with with uh with you two fans and and you just you hear you know that kind of story you know from other people too and it's good to know that the the band isn't surrounded by you know jerks and curmudgeons and all this sort of stuff so oh, that's, he also, awesome. that's awesome he also, awesome joke <laughs> Oh, thank you. And he also told Naomi, like, they were talking about, because she had got a pick from him. She got a pick and a piece of chocolate from him for her birthday. I forgot which show it was. But he said to her that um, if there's, like, certain, during certain shows, like, at the end when he gives out picks, if he just happens to give them out on South Side and not North Side, it's nothing personal. It's just he, like, runs out of them. So it's not like he's only giving them one specific specific side it's just whatever picks he has on them like that's just however many he gives out he's like it's nothing personal to like anyone you know <laughs> we should try to estimate how many picks have been handed out yeah right yeah. that'd be like impossible and i got an adam pick i didn't even get like an edge specific pick i just got an adam one hmm. I have to, i've never i know i know adam uses picks but I, i've never paid close enough attention to which ones he actually uses a pick on that'd be another topic for the dissection of U2 live podcast episode we have. Um, I'm wondering if that was Niall Stokes, hot press editor. Maybe he was with him or something. Was he, it doesn't really matter. We won't go into that. <laughs> so I was just curious. I would, when you were saying he was going to be maybe on your flight or whatever, I'd be like, I don't know how I would sleep the whole or rest or whatever, the whole flight, just knowing that Dallas is sitting up there somewhere and I could be like peppering him with <laughs> questions about I know. Edge's guitar That's stuff. That's what I would have done. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like loved him saying like talking about the party like they're in the car and yeah. Edge is like okay you're gonna get on stage and play this note and like the crowd's gonna go crazy like Edge the scientist masterminding like the whole at U two party like little little entry. did Edge know we had already planned that out for him <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome 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 yeah and that's uh, like you said Matt I think like they would certainly 
it's not like you two fans are fans of the people around you two naturally, but the questions obviously come back to you two the, as the band and stuff. And so it's not like they would get tons of questions about the band and they could have every right to be like, Hey, I'm a person too, you know, or whatever. And, but the fact that they're so gracious, every story you hear of all these, anybody who works with you two, whether wherever they are in the organization, basically often are just like the nicest folks as well. And, um, it's not like that with every band and every artist no. that's for sure. So, yeah. How about Matt or Sherry? I don't know who would want to go next as far as just some a story or, or just thoughts on, on Dublin in general. Yeah. I mean, I think the highlight for me was rep- recording last week's podcast. It was like the best thing we ever did. No, I'm joking. No, the, you know, <laughs> Sherry was there for two and three and I was there for three and four and Jill was there for three and four, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's hard to put into words, I guess, for me, because it's such, I just, uh, I get, when I hear the songs, uh, this happened when I was there for the Pop Mart shows, and it happened last weekend, and I just start to associate the songs as they play them with the things in the city that, you know, were just part of the history. So, you know, when you hear, you know, you hear, like it's, it was very emotional for me to hear Sunday Bloody Sunday get played in Dublin last weekend. And I'm, I've not been a huge fan of this version of Sunday Bloody Sunday, you know, because it's kind of, it's just, well, we all know how different it is. And it's just, it's not like I dislike everything. It's just like, you know, it's like, okay, that's, there's Sunday Bloody Sunday. It's not anything I've ever gotten into. But at the sh- show number three, when they started playing that, and I'm thinking, and the fan, the audience reaction to, the, to that song in particular and to all the songs really was just amazing. And I just thought, Wow, this is Dublin's song, and the audience was incredible. And then I start thinking about how you know this song was written about the history of this part of the country and Northern Ireland, and it just—I don't know. It was just like I said, I'm not doing a good job explaining this. It was just very emotional to experience the songs in their hometown, in their home country, and think about you know, like when Gloria came on. On the oh, second that song. was like incredible. Yeah, the second song of the show on, on show number three. And I'm like, you know, good Lord, you know, this song is such a part of this. You know, they recorded the video just, you know, right across, literally right across the river from where we're hearing them play is where, you know, they, they record the video. And it's just, I, I don't know. I just, it was very emotional just to hear those songs in the hometown for me. It was incredible watching from um, just above general admission, the entire floor just jumping and thrusting. It, it, it looked like it had become its own heart beating in time to the music. And just the embrace that the audience gave to Gloria on night three was incredible. And, 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 and I'll add New Year's Day as well. The, yeah. the, oh, yeah. the, the reaction to New Year's Day out on the East stage. <laughs> that was a hell yeah moment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it's something you have to, I, I wish every YouTube fan could figure out a way to just get there at least once and experience one show in Dublin because it's so, it's just, yeah, it's all that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think totally, uh, I, I, 
like I was saying in the last episode of being in Dublin and, and getting carted around by the hostel or whatever, but like going to a pub and hearing U2's album just being played in a pub and everybody, you know, probably half tourists or whatever, all, everybody singing along. There is just like this richness and this history that you kind of feel is coming alive in front of you. And I can only imagine obviously seeing the band there on top of that live would just, you know, that much more. And just like, like you said, Matt, the emotion, you did a great job of ex- explaining because just the emotion of, of that moment is just kind of like everything coming together. Even just reading, I was just rereading or reading for the first time the the, the book that came with the U2.com membership thing, which Sherry, we should cover at the end here, but, and just the going through the genesis of the band again, which we've all read or heard or whatever, but just hearing it actually from like a lot of Niall Stokes uh, perspective and, and yeah, thinking of the history and stuff that you guys sort of walked through and, um, you know, it's getting 20, 30 whatever, however many years, we don't need to say specifically <laughs> since it's happened or whatever. So anyways, Sherry, how about you? Any, anything from Dublin that sticks out as a cool memory? Um, just about everything. Um, and that's, that's not a throwaway comment, you know, getting to walk through Temple Bar, walking over the bridges from South side to North side and back and forth and just thinking through the history going through song lyrics. You know, I I had the opportunity uh, while my husband was in some business meetings just to walk solo. And I really appreciated that time to almost meditate on what is it about the city? What is it about these little alleyways? What is it about this particular building? Um, You know, all of a sudden the mist comes in, then the downpour comes in and then the sun comes out and just the changing weather uh, that could change on a, um, on a flip of a dime type of thing. It, I really enjoyed being able to just soak in the history, soak in the culture and to be able to cross reference it to, you know, as um, Matt pointed out, you know, with um, the Gloria, with the video being, recorded just up the road or, you know, being able to walk over to Hanover Key and stand outside of this, um, the studio, which has now become um, uh, a, a huge uh, graffiti uh, magnet now, now that Windmill Lane has, has been completely demolished. And I, and I have to admit that, that my favorite memory um, my favorite takeaway was getting to add to that graffiti at Hanover Key. Um, you know, there's some personal stuff that, that I left uh, um, from me. I, I, I put some personal stuff on there uh, for a few other people. My husband, who's six foot two, was able to put up a, uh, um, a wanted uh, drawing of the Dalton brothers on my behalf, which I thought was fantastic. Um, bumped into Beth and Chris, who were putting up some um, some uh, memories of the tattoo project, uh, just to leave there. And you know, I figure it'll be uh, written over soon. Somebody that will come with spray paint, and it'll suddenly become that that um, uh, tapestry of art, like what. Uh, happened over at Windmill Lane, but I just felt like I did the pilgrimage from soup to nuts throughout the city. 
um, closed down a pub <laughs> singing acoustic U2, you know, I, I felt like I had a full experience and I left the city with a full spirit. And that is more than, than anybody could have hoped from such an experience. Um, the shows, uh, I loved the two that I went to, but being able to be front row <laughs> on night two directly in front of Adam and I spent the time putting my phone away. I did snap a few pictures that I did post, but for the most part, when, when they came over to perform in front, I wanted to give them everything that I could. I traveled all this way. I wasn't going to just stand at the, at the barricade and not give my entire energy um, at the show. And what was nice was Adam was actually scanning the crowd looking for eyeballs. You know, he wanted eye contact. And whenever he received it, he actually performed a little bit longer or, or would um, acknowledge you which was great. Bono, when he came over to our section, he was already in McFisto character or he was already um, so uh, 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 into whatever the character was that he was singing from or that part of, of himself where he was singing that in, in our area of the stage, we didn't really get a lot of that type of interaction. Um, Larry waved. And uh, Edge came over um, just on on a couple of occasions, but you know, in the same way that Kelly Eddington said of her Chicago experience, where she was just watching and looking at the extreme detail and picking up, you know, with a um, with an artist's eye, you know, some of the intricacies of the performance. I tried to do the same. And there is just so much that I can remember from Dublin 2 that will never leave my, my mind. Um, so, you know, I left that show very, very full as well, um, which made up for night three where I felt very claustrophobic and had to steer as clear from general admission as possible, um, which, you know, Upon realizing why Edge's side was so much uh, more crowded than Adam's side, um, I knew I had to get out of Edge's side. That that was because when Bono enters um, entered the stage at Three Arena, he came in from um, from the concession stand area. So about fifteen minutes before showtime, security had lined up in front of um, the vendors. And blocked off access to um, Adam's side of the stage. So the only so entrance. Saying, yeah, go ahead, Matt. You're saying you're saying Bono went to the concession stand before he got on stage. <laughs> well, yes. yes. What the did. heck? What kind of revelation is this? <laughs> Pint. <laughs> exactly. So so people coming into the venue who were coming in from from the. Um, Liffy entrance. That was the only way in. They couldn't cross over to Adam's side. They were being all funneled into Edge's side. That was also where all of the Cedarwood Lounge people were getting funneled in. That was where all the VIPs were getting funneled in. That was the only access to the floor 
for that 15 minutes before showtime. And once Bono entered um, at the start of Joey Ramone and, and they allowed ease of entry again, you, you couldn't move on Edge's side. And so at that point, I'm like, dude, I'm feeling very claustrophobic right now. I need to get away from this. Um, and then I decided to go up to the beer garden level, uh, which was um, slightly above. If you look at my um, Twitter feed, I, I took a few pictures. I did a few Instagrams from up there. But security did not allow anybody to basically stand around up there. You either went to your seat or you went back down. So I just wanted to try to find a nice little nook that I could feel um, a little bit more freedom in. Uh, And that was why I was able to uh, really pay attention to how the audience was for night three. I mean, you had people on um, getting their their, um, girlfriends up on their shoulders. I had a couple people who were trying to um, uh, climb the scaffolding in order to get a better view above everybody's heads. There were people who were actually standing on the wood bar tables uh, in order to get a better view. Um, it was it was amazing just to see that type of of um, enthusiasm, uh, just to be able to see a screen which for whatever reason you would have to be in a really bad position to miss that screen which ironically night two when I was front row in front of Adam when they went over to the east stage I couldn't see the screen because <laughs> I had tall people in front of me the biggest screen in the in the smallest arena and I flip and couldn't see it so when the band started performing um, uh, when um, Meerkat went on I just decided I'm going to watch it on Meerkat. <laughs> so here I am, front row, <laughs> watching what's going on in back of me on Meerkat because I couldn't see it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, as all this is happening, I'm getting death stares from Art Fogel from Live Nation why I'm not watching the band. <laughs> so I flip my phone around to say, I'm watching them on Meerkat. I can't see Oops. behind me. You know? <laughs> My my life as a five foot tall U two fan. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Bono is taller than me. He should he should be happy to have shorter fans. <laughs> or provide you with the platform shoes that uh, McFeesta used to wear. <laughs> anyway, so that's my Dublin memory. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's uh, I'm sure countless fan stories and and stuff that also is. You know, we will hear about in the future of things that happened just that that week, um, as often I'm sure does when U2 is in town and just crazy fun things that people get up to and the band gets up to and uh, just scanning through. Uh, I miss some of the retweets and stuff. If you go to Sherry's Twitter account, U2.com, at U2.com Sherry, um, she's retweeting some stuff of like Adam's arrival at the after party in a bathrobe of some sort. Yeah. Sandals. That- yeah. Yeah. And that's the same bathrobe um, that that was featured in some of his earlier tweets from back in Vancouver and Los Angeles. So, uh, so that's his favorite bathrobe, I would believe. <laughs> You'd have to think, yeah, if it made it all the way around the world. <laughs> and flip flops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really rude. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any closing thoughts on Dublin before we move on? Um. 
I just know that the one thing I think that's going to stand out for me and Matt can totally vouch for this. Um, Dublin three during Iris when Bono's voice cracked. Oh, heartbreaking. And yeah. his hand was shaking, holding the mic. Like I was done. Like, <laughs> like I don't, Oh my God. I just like watching that, like on the big screen. I just wanted to like hug him and be like, it's okay. Iris. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and God. Norman was at that show, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was a moment there. That was, that was very, very much a moment for sure. Like every Iris moment I had, like seeing like up to that point for all the shows I saw, like that was like, God, like it was like incredible to see. It was like, here he is like in his hometown, like on stage, like singing about his mom. And it's just like watching him. And I'm like, I'm like, he's going to cry, you know, cause I'm like heaving in this pit right now, crying my eyes out. But I'm just going to remember that, like, my favorite song, just seeing him just so emotional and just, like, I just appreciated it so much. Like, I always, like, love how, like, honest he is with that song, like, performing. Like, like watching it on the HBO thing, I'm going to, oh, my God, I'm going to be, like, crying into my blanket that I'm wrapped up in right now, so. Uh, Sean McGee <laughs> uh, in the chat room asks, Jill, could you literally even... I, I can never even, Sean. I never. can't just. I can't just. <laughs> I thought that's a worth, uh, you know, worthwhile question. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I do have to say, um, um, specifically for Sean, the shows were on fleek. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's a real Zoo TV moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to ask about that. The, you know, the not to be too cynical or whatever, but how much of like Bono, they do that sort of like rehearsed spontaneity thing really well. And I'm not like, I'm, I'm not like saying what he was doing was an act by any means. Oh. But also like how they, they know how to like play that emotional card and, and do that really well. I think to a, not to a fault, but like, because that's part of the performance. Right. And um, not that moment specifically, I'm not thinking of, but like it would be hard as Bono, the showman, to not want to put on an even better show, an amazing show for the hometown crowd and your, your buddies are at the show and stuff. And, um, and like, fo- like just the history, like, uh, U2GW in the chat room mentions Andy Rowan being there. And, and there's a picture of him that, you know, at the show and stuff. And, and just like the history that we've talked about. And, um, yeah, I'm not really even stating anything other than I just can't imagine the thought process of having to put together that show with all the history and all the, f- people and um and that your sort of pressure in a way it feels like it's relaxing on the one hand because you're in your hometown but it's like enormous pressure to have this amazing emotional moment that everybody's kind of waiting to happen and uh and obviously they pulled it off i guess is the the uh, the cool part on over four shows so very cool well well i would also think you have enough people in that room who know your stories yeah who were there when they happened and have no problem calling the rock drop if you, you know, misrepresented that particular aspect of your backstory. So I think in particular, having all of their childhood friends, having their family members, having so many of the people from the neighborhood there, they knew that they had to be on point. So I think that 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 also elevated the performance a little bit more, knowing that they have no problems telling them that, uh, you know, they were slightly off in 
in recounting a particular story. Yeah. Now, now before we're before we wrap up here, Chris, yeah. I have a I have a, I have a, a procedural question because Potty Mouth McBoston back there oh. <laughs> has dropped two s bombs right. in the podcast. How does that affect our iTunes rating? <laughs> Well, I I flag them. We'll uh, I'll bleep them in some form. Awesome. We'll come up with a, okay, good. something like that. Uh, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> no. We'll, All right, you go ahead and do we'll, that. We'll find some sort of YouTubeism to slip it. I don't want to end up like in the you know in the in the in the foul language section of the iTunes podcast store or whatever it's called. You know, I just listen, man. I don't need a lemon. I'm with the band. <laughs> or sure, so she's, she's with the show. McBoston, because I'm creepy McCreeper when I was trying to talk to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Potty mouth McBoston. There is this. Go. Are you? Is there a special sponsorship that you've arranged with McDonald's to always bring up the? <laughs> well, he is a McGee, so. right? I, I guess. A, oh yeah, I, I'm a Mick, so yeah, count. comes by naturally. <laughs> All right. All right, we've been on for an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the giddiness has commenced in high form. So there you go. Uh, we'll brief mention just worth checking out if you haven't already on at youtube.com the just coverage of Bono and Edge at, at World AIDS Day uh, yesterday. Right? Am I? Am I? on my right yes. calendar. Yes. <laughs> I'm the one who didn't move. We're good old Miley Cyrus forgot the lyrics to one. <laughs> no. Yeah. She's not wow. she's not used to singing with clothes on, so give her a break. All right. All right. Uh and uh <laughs> and also of course the upcoming like we've mentioned the HBO shows in Paris. Um Bono was just uh well with uh, as a result of I'm sure part of the World AIDS Day also they're doing a bit of talk about about that show and then just the significance of heading back to it uh, back to Paris and putting on the show and uh anybody have comments on that as we want to as we're sort of wrapping up just things we're excited about and just I I think it's it's mark remarkable I guess and not unexpected that they would go back but it still is a thing that they have to like consider that you know as much as they're talking about being with bravado and you know we're going back and we're we're going to bring the show back to Paris and wanting to do that. There still is, you know, whatever 30 to 60,000 people, depending on how many is at each show coming to this show that are wanting to be safe. Right. And so, um, well, they just hosted Paris just hosted so many world leaders. Yeah. And the security was very tight. I would expect something similar. Not that, you know, you two has the same status as, you know, all of the uh, uh, various leaders of of all the countries. But I think that they will have very similar type security. There, ha- there I mean, there have been other events at uh, that Acora Hotels Arena since uh, since the attacks. Um, yeah. I, you know, none, I, I would say, none on the level of international visibility that the U2 shows will have. But... Um, you know they've they've been putting on events and there have been other concerts at smaller venues in Paris. So, um, you know, and I don't want to speak for Paris or Paris U two fans anyway. But I mean, life is continuing to some degree. Obviously, it'll never be the same. But and it's terrible what happened. But it's not like this is the very first show that's happened in the city since the attacks. Yeah, yeah, and it's being dubbed in solidarity with Paris. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so looking forward to that. And, uh, of course, we'll have coverage on at YouTube.com about that, um, about the concert and how it all goes down and what, like, uh, whether Jill is uh, crying buckets uh, during yeah. Iris, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll 
have a report in from her, I'm sure, on the future episode. <laughs> Lots of crying emojis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, everybody, uh, shout out if you want to your Twitter or whatever, if people want to follow up questions on Twitter or things like that. Starting with uh, you, Sherry. At you too, come Sherry. And Jill. Um, tweeting about Michael Fassbender on my Twitter, which is beautifuldaysix. <laughs> 36. <laughs> there you go. And Matt, where are you at with Fassbender? I'm, I'm going to change my Twitter name to Potty Mouth McBoston. <laughs> <laughs> I am currently at Matt McGee. Currently, yeah. Until things change, I'm at uh, iChris on Twitter. And of course, you could follow the at u2.com on Twitter, at u2. That's A-T-U-2. And then uh, hashtag ask at U2 is where you can submit questions, comments, and thoughts for the show on Twitter. Not to be confused with at U2 podcast hashtag, which already has a few new pictures on it. If you've uh, been playing along at home, you'll notice that uh, Matt and myself and Sherry, I think, have tweeted pictures of recording the podcast. So now it's your turn to send us pictures of you listening to the podcast wherever you are in the world. Facebook.com slash ATU2com is where you can find us on Facebook. And previous episodes of the show are, can be found goodstuff.fm slash ATU2. We're also on iTunes and uh, soon to be in the Google Podcast Play, whatever it's called, thing that they're doing. So wherever you want to listen to us, you can find us, hopefully, if, if you want to listen to us. And uh, we will be back next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs>